It could very well be co- become dubbed without a zoo. Firstly, it doesn't have a zoo. <laughs> and um, uh, it just is, is – the music scene is that fragile. And, uh, it could easily turn into nothing. It could all just disappear. It could all the, – the, the value of land in the inner city is now more than music venues can pay. So someone has to go in there and buy things to become music venues and take a financial hit for these to survive. Welcome to Fear at the Top, powered by the Industry Observer, where we speak to leaders of music business to learn about their successes, mistakes, and how they operate at the top of their class. Welcome to Fear at the Top. You're with Luke Gerges, and today I'm with uh, Scott Hutchison, the patron of Q Music and chairman of Hutchison Builders, which is actually one of Australia's largest private construction companies with over 1,500 staff and generating, you know, $2.5 billion worth of annual revenue. Scott, welcome. Thank you very much, Luke. You're, uh, you're famous in the music business for all your work in live music venues in Brisbane and, you know, being a patron of Q Music, like I just said. Um, but I do want to start with your story. You're a fourth generation um, at Hutchinson Builders. Um, can you tell me about the Hutchinson story? Uh, yeah, it was started by my great granddad in, um, in 1912, whom I, whom I knew. Uh, and uh, was uh, large in the 20s and 30s, took a bit of a hit in the 50s and has been growing steadily from the 70s, 80s and, um, and we're having a great time at the moment. Um, yeah, we, we con- concentrate very much on uh, employment for life and um, being a, a, a good corporate citizen uh, and that's a bit what the music stuff is about but mainly me just having fun. <laughs> So I want to uh, get in your head when you first took the reins at the company. You're fourth generation in. Uh, you're f- you've got you know your great grandfather, your, fa- your granddad, your father have all built this amazing business. Um, was it terrifying? <laughs> it was terrifying, and I took it to the edge three times. Um, especially one time, I thought we were going to go belly up just through uh, fast growth. I was just a bit too. Um, eager to try and make use of all of the opportunities that came my way. And so it wasn't always successful, but uh, we got through it and, and we're through it now and having a good time. And you're unbelievably qualified. You have actually grown the company enormous since you took it. You obviously have this hunger and this amazing like entrepreneurial business brain. How did you get that? I mean, you, you obviously grew up in a successful family. How did you? How did? Well, how did well, you not end up like sort of just resting on the success of your parents as opposed to just really got that having that appetite? I'll be completely frank here. No false uh, modesty or um, or puffing it up. I was reasonably ambitious and I did an MBA in the 80s when the the, uh, the business philosophies were about empowerment and intra-capital and that's how I built it up through to 2001. But then um, uh, Dad came home one day and said, there's a guy uh, at the Master Builders that I reckon could run BHP and I said, let's give him a go. And he's taken it from about 150 million turnover to two and a half billion. So it's actually not all me. Where the place is now is far three, four times my ambition. So um, there's a lot of luck in business and I've had a lot of luck and this guy has been... um, been just perfect that's greg quinn our current managing director 
That's awesome. But, I mean, I guess you are the chairman of the company and you did jump on it. I mean, you're, you're a father yourself, right? So yeah, full kids. Are you, are you conscious of, you know, your children not growing up to be sort of like, you know, uh, complacent as opposed to having that um, hunger that you had? They're actually just not. They're not into anything fancy and they're, they're, they're pretty driven. But I'm not going to bring – I'm only going to let one of them come into the business. The others are going to be involved in property and my wife's businesses. Mm. Uh, but um, uh, he's going to do my job. Once a business gets so big, you can't um, have him being managing director, running the place, CEO. He can be chairman, which is basically governor general. You can bring a kid up to be governor general, but you can't bring a kid up to be prime minister. It's as simple <laughs> as that. And there's plenty of families that have tried that to bring their kids up to be uh, prime minister or, that's, or head of a company, and, and it doesn't work. You're better off teaching them how to do the ceremonial work, keep the culture right, uh, be the figurehead. And you you choose to live in an apartment. Why is oh, that? <laughs> because once you've lived in an apartment, you'll never go back to a house. Uh, it's a completely different mentality. A, a, a house, you're thinking about the yard and the garden. And if you go and do anything, there's locking up and there's, there's storms in Brisbane <laughs> and you're wondering whether it's leaking and... Uh, the mentality of apartment is let's just go, let's just do things, let's just go out. You can make decisions late uh, and you're um, invariably in a city, not, uh, not suburbia. Mm. In 1995, uh, you did restructure the org chart within the company. Um, you, I guess you made it more flatline management. Um, can you tell me about the rationale behind that and what were the results of implementing that change? Yeah, it, it was... Uh, the, the, the real reason why it got restructured in 1995 is because I nearly sent it broke. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I made the, the uh, responsibility lines a lot clearer and pushed the responsibility down to, to the job sites and to the people in the teams. Um, uh, it was always what I was going to do, but, but the uh, fright we got made us do it made me do it absolutely properly and absolutely clearly mm. and what was the effects of that what did you see oh, it, 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 it boomed the place rebounded um, it, it was the that structure but also we were I was lending our family money to uh, developers who were my friends and they were giving us more building work as well so we had very very good years mm. yeah and what was the key learnings out of that um, trust people. Uh, give them enough rope. Uh, some of them will hang themselves, but some of them will uh, do really, really well. And uh, 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 and that's its work. And that's pretty much our whole philosophy. Um, mm. Give people authority. Give people power. Uh, and um, and reward them when it when it does well. Have you ever been involved in um, any micromanagement type culture or any sort of stifling culture? Um, I don't like micromanagement, mainly because I can't do it. Um, I, I, I don't have great uh, building skills. I'm a, I'm a structural engineer. But really, when I came into here, I only had the engineering and, a, and, and an MBA. I was only 26. So I couldn't actually build. So all I could do was reorganise the game and tell people the rules and, OK, if you can do it, let's see how you go. Uh, and it's pretty much the philosophy my father had as well he came in as a young quantity surveyor 
um, in the mid-60s and had to rescue the place. So um, although it's a, it, it looks like a wonderful success at present, there's been a lot of, of hard times. The other thing we do encourage here is to get people to admit their mistakes, own up, and um, let's just get on with it and you won't get sacked. You just fix it up and let's get going again. That's awesome. Um, I saw you on Undercover Boss and I saw you get the shovel out and go hard. What, what was that experience like? Uh, it was absolutely fantastic, but it was scary. There's, you're scared of A, being found out that, that it's you. You're thinking of B, you're scared of getting sacked. And I did get sacked, but I got sacked in the office for breaking the binding machine. I didn't get sacked on site and that would have done my cred in irreparable damage for being sacked for not being able to use a shovel or not being able to clean up properly so i was working my guts out not to get sacked the other thing is they can say anything they like about who they see as the boss or and it just goes to air so <laughs> they can say i swing from chandeliers have you heard our boss swings from chandeliers every night and that will go to um to air and so you've got you're constantly worried, but uh, you're on tour for eight days with a film crew and good people. So at night you you go out and have a bit of a good time with them. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, I mean, uh, it was really interesting. I mean, you've got you've got your engineering masters. You're an M- no, no. I've got a, a, an engineering undergraduate degree, and then I did the, an MBA, the Master That's of Business right. Administration. So. Uh, particularly the MBA, it's it's quite a polarizing um, qualification these days. I'm finding a lot of people are saying you must have one, you must have one, and then other people are going, "It's a fucking waste of money. It was a waste of time." What was your experience like? Oh, it was the best experience. I hated it, uh, doing engineering. Um, I was a poor engineer, um, and uh, when I I started the MBA, uh, I, I discovered. Um, the Human Resources side of, uh, of the MBA did every elective I could there and it just gave me such a great feeling of how I wanted Hutchies to be. It was absolutely indispensable and I've got my son doing an MBA over in London Business School at the moment um, and uh, yeah, a, a long one too. I think it's a, a two-year course where he's um, living in, um, in London doing it. So uh, it... it it, it was more than just great. It was essential. So you are a Queensland boy and you're a patron of Q Music. What does yeah. that mean? Um, well, the previous pa- patron was Robert Forster, which um, uh, to be put anywhere near him excites me because he's a rock star. <laughs> but uh, yeah, just, just to represent the, the, um, the organisation, I'm absolutely delighted to do this. Uh, I was first asked to be on the board and and I I've never sat on anything like that before and I was just amazed at the the knowledge and the competency of the the people that were there and what they were doing for Brisbane um or what they're doing for Queensland um uh and and really keeping the the the, the vibe alive the vibe that is in Brisbane and and in Queensland and so I've, I've just got more and more interested in Q Music, and I don't think I would have been doing any of the the um, the, the venues uh, if, if I hadn't had that Q Music experience. And tell me about that experience. Like, what is your actual involvement day to day, or month to month, or quarter to quarter with Q Music? 
No, all I have to do is when I'm having lunch with people and we go around the table what and say what we do is I just say I'm patron of Q Music and talk a bit about it like I'd say I'm chairman of Hutchies. Mm. And um, people usually laugh when I do do that and that's part of my job going to yeah. lunch and introducing myself because I work on more about Q Music and sometimes I forget about Hutchies. Uh, <laughs> so... Um, yeah, Are you involved in like raising raising money for them? No, no. If they need a sponsor for something, or if they're a quid short here, or if they um, you know, want want to get someone on board, if they need to talk to a politician or something, mm. I, I help. Mm. Um, but really, I just take instructions from them. So it's a it's a ceremonial thing. But I go to all their functions. I go to the arias. I try and represent them wherever I can. But um, I, I just take instructions from there. The CEO mostly, pretty much what I do for Hutchies. Mm. Our CEO says, okay, go and meet these people, go and do this, and I, I go and do it. And have you invested much personal or company money into Q Music? I think we sponsor the Queensland Music Awards. It's mm. not a lot of money. I think it's, it's um, uh, $12,000. And if mm. there's something uh, where a sponsor pulls out of something else, Big Sound or, or something, Hutchies... Hutchies fits in. Mm. Um, the music industry talks a l- in a lot smaller numbers than the building industry, so it's not not that painful. Mm. Um, building industry has huge turnovers and low margins, um, but it's um, the 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 money we give to Q Music. I don't think's all that significant, but it, they certainly seem appreciative for the help. Mm. Let's talk about Brisbane and Brisbane live music scene, particularly Fortitude Valley. You've gotten very involved in a big, big financial way um, and a big emotional way. Why have you done this? Uh, because I think uh, if somebody doesn't do it, Bris- the, the, the fragile Brisbane music scene uh, could collapse. It's there. Uh, we've got wonderful little venues in Fortitude Valley. They're all close, so you can go from one to the other. It just need it just needs a couple of uh, bigger ones or, or one big one and Trifford to um, consolidate it. And I'm ha- happy to help with other um, loaning money to other little venues to to restructure or for a, a good guy to purchase them, just to keep the Brisbane music scene alive. I'm. I'm very patriotic to Brisbane. I'm much more of a Brisbane person than I am a Queenslander or an Australian. Mm. You've gone on record as saying you're terrified of <laughs> of Brisbane becoming Dubbo without a zoo. Yes. What does that mean? Oh, well, <laughs> it could very well be co- become Dubbo without a zoo. Firstly, it doesn't have a zoo. <laughs> and um, uh, it, it just is, is – the music scene is that fragile. and uh, uh, It could easily – turn into nothing it could all just disappear it could all the 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 value of land in the inner city is now more than music venues can pay so someone has to go in there and buy things to become music venues and take a financial hit for these to survive i was also very much involved in the um uh, in the lockout law demonstrations up here, I dressed as Oliver Cromwell and led the, the marches because I knew that'd get some uh, attention. And and the the, the, the stupid politicians um, wouldn't understand the music um, business. <laughs> they, they they 
totally said to me, uh, I said, where do you guys go out? And, and they don't go out. So people who don't go out were making rules for people who do go out and they had no idea uh, what they were doing. Um, again, there's not enough... There's not enough depth in the in, in the Brisbane um, scene to actually make a statement at an election. So the same people have just got back in and are going to do nothing more to, to help the music scene. And you mentioned that the returns are quite, you know, the, the cost of property is getting so expensive where the returns mm. are becoming unviable. What, how unviable are we talking? How, oh. oh, well, uh, two and a half, three percent return on, 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 on the money you've spent. Um, now, that, that you might say, well, that's better than you do in the bank. But um, the bank is cash. And not only that, when you get your music venue valued, that means the money that you, you might spend forty-five million dollars on it, and it gets valued for twenty-five. That means you you that your balance sheet takes that hit. Mm. Um, now somebody's got to be prepared to do that, and there's not many um, organisations that are allowed to do that. Um, Hutchies are. When you're buying a music venue and spending, you know, upwards of forty million dollars, are you worried that? if there's not a hack to make this viable, that your mission in Brisbane won't outlive you? Oh, it will outlive me because I'll leave this thing in a trust. Awesome. Even nobody, nobody will be allowed to touch it. <laughs> I know which son's going to get it and um, he won't he, he want to touch it either. But I'll, just to make sure, I'll, I will um, see that it's in a, a thousand-year trust so no one can get at it there. <laughs> So uh, does your son love music as much as you do? He does, and he's got a uh, and his business partner have got a couple of um, properties near the um, the music venue in the valley, and that's going to lift their patronage and value, and so it'll be wonderful for him. And and this is my second son, mm. and so yeah, he's going to have a ball with this. I, I, I envy him. <laughs> <laughs> It annoys me how much fun he's going to have. You're in business with John Collins from Powderfinger and Paul Patico. What's the nature of that relationship? Well, yeah, yeah. Look, I always get reported as being um, co-owner of of, um, Trifford and um, this new one with with JC Collins from from, um, Powderfinger. But really, I'm the landlord, and they're the they operate the business. I didn't have any artistic input into Trifford, and I won't have any artistic input into the new place in the valley. Um, uh, I suppose we're co-owners because they run the business, and it depends. That's co-owners is not a technical term, mm. but I don't want to be involved in the business because I just don't know how to run those businesses. I don't know about beer taps. I don't know about staff ratios, and it's best to leave um, uh, those things to people who do. And those guys really do know their business, and and, and Live Nation are going to be the the tenant also in the new one, which is wonderful. Um, do you have a desire to get your hands dirty with the creative side of things? No, I don't because I'm not creative. All I'm going to do is take the financial hit and enjoy the venue and enjoy what it does for Brisbane. That's, that's enough for me. I'm not – if I was creative, maybe I wouldn't need to do all this, but uh, I certainly can't play. Um, I'd love to determine who plays there, but that's, again, far above my – 
capability. I mean, I'd have Iggy Pop um, opening night. Um, I don't know if they can do that, but um, I certainly won't won't be directing that. I cert- that certainly won't be my decision. How, how did you meet John and Paul? Um, we were just about to to sell the block at Trifford to uh, some Chinese to do units on it, and we were going to build the units the same as. Uh, every other block, it's the highest and best used is usually residential in the inner city. And they walked in and said, uh, oh, JC and his, his partner, uh, our previous partner, walked in and said, we'd love to turn this into a music venue. And so uh, I put it on hold and we, we went down that way. Later, Paul came into it, which was, was, was wonderful. I'd already known Paul because Paul and I were talking years ago or a decade ago about trying to bring the Livid Festival back to Brisbane. Um, we didn't get it going. I'm still trying in, 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 in many ways to get that, that festival uh, back and, I, and it's still an aim of mine. But, yeah, I'd known Paul for a long time and JC just walked in just before we were about to sell it. Did, did he know that you were into music before he... <laughs> Yes, he did. I've, I've met him at a few um, – at Splendour in the Grass a lot, so he knew I was at the festivals. Um, and uh, it, as soon as they showed me their plans for it, I said, oh, let's go. You know, this is, this is too good to be true. <laughs> and um, so, They were probably thinking the same thing <laughs> they, you. They, would, they probably were because uh, there's no way it was going to stack up. But, um, look, we're it, – it's – one of the best things I've ever done, and then it—I I loved Trifford so much. I, that's what led on to this um, this new venture. I wish we had a name for it yet. Live Nation haven't told us what what it's going to be called. So, what is your plans are uh, for Brisbane and Fortitude Valley over the next five, ten, fifteen years? Okay, um, I probably my only other ambition is to to um, bring um, a. a, a a festival, a major festival, back to Brisbane like like Livid. Mm. Um, it's it's a big ask, and and I, I've been trying to do that since two thousand three. But I, again, I don't have the skills. I've got the finance, mm. um, but don't have the skills. And I'd like to help get a, a much bigger venue um, going. Um, we've got to get rid of Boondle. I won't say any more about that because I get into trouble every time I open my mouth. But, um, you know, we, we've got to get a... a don't, you don't like it? Oh, does anybody? <laughs> um, just just do, a, do a poll in Queen Street and see which <laughs> response you get. Um, yeah, we have to get a, a 10,000 seat uh, venue back into the middle of Brisbane, yeah. What, what, what do you think is a time frame on that? Oh, that's not something. There's something being proposed at the moment by the by the owners of Boondle. So if that gets up, that's good. But it's it's got a two billion dollar price tag. Um, um, I, so I, I I'll get this one sorted out first, and then I'll think about that. <laughs> Scott, thank you so much for your time. This is uh, really enjoyable, and I think I speak for everyone Australia wide to say that the Australian music industry is very blessed to have you a part of it. Thank you so much. Oh, that's very kind, Luke. That's um, not exactly true, but very kind. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.